The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Summer camp in the middle of nowhere. Fun times, swimming in the lake, arts and crafts, new friends sitting around a campfire, childhood memories that last a lifetime, right? Wrong. Oklahoma, rolling hills and forests, 400 densely wooded acres turned from campsite to crime scene. Three little scouts, ages 8, 9, and 10, murdered. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Series XM 111. We follow the exclusive new Fox Nation series, The Girl Scout Murders, all week on Crime Stories. First of all, take a listen to this. These woods in northeastern Oklahoma are the site of one of the worst crimes imaginable. Two busloads of Girl Scouts left Tulsa headed for Camp Scott, a Girl Scout retreat located on the Cherokee Reservation some 50 miles away. Among the girls were 10-year-old Denise Milner, 
Nine-year-old Michelle Gouzet and eight-year-old Lori Farmer. What happened next is unthinkable. Three young girls beaten, sexually assaulted, murdered. Their children's names you always remember. Lori and Denise and Michelle, they're there. And they're never going to go away. We left off this story where about a mile away from the camp, this camp is about an hour outside of Tulsa, and about a mile outside of the camp is found a cave of sorts. It's been referred to as a cave. It's actually uh, an, an unusable root cellar that once went with a home. And apparently, somebody is living in this cave slash root cellar. And that someone leaves behind clues. Take a listen. Immediately, Sheriff Pete Weaver identified Gene Leroy Hart, who was a Cherokee Indian, as the prime suspect. Gene Hart was a local. He only lived within a mile of the crime scene. He had been uh, convicted of uh, two previous rapes earlier on. He had escaped from the Mays County Jail several times. So there was some history there between Mays County Sheriff's Office with Gene Hart. The sheriff at the time, Pete Weaver, didn't particularly care for Gene Hart, and he was identified early by uh, Pete Weaver as being the primary suspect. It was just assumed he was guilty. And if people are assuming he's guilty, then the thought was they're not going to treat him fairly. They've got the bodies of three little girls to worry about. I want to go straight to Faith Phillips, Cherokee screenwriter and author of Now I Lay Me Down. Could you describe the injuries to these three little girls? Horrific, uh, beyond really anything that I'd ever learned about in my true crime writing. I had never seen anything like it. Um, Two of the girls were struck immediately in the head, um, and one died immediately. And the other apparently survived at least for some time because she had some swelling um, in her eye. And uh, she was beaten several times in the head. Then the third girl, Denise Milner, um, she was, she, according to the information I found, she tried to make a break for it out of the tent and, and, and was caught. And they put, um, um, they put a rope around her neck. And she was also beaten terribly about the head. And all three of them were sexually assaulted. And it was just the, the nature of what happened to these little girls was absolutely brutal. Joining me is Kent Freitas, the former minority leader in the Oklahoma House of Representatives and author of Oklahoma's Most Notorious Crimes, intimately familiar with this case in particular, the Girl Scout murders. Kent Freitas, thank you for being with us. We keep saying sex assaulted. I mean, that could be a number of, of things. That could be fondling a little girl through her clothing. Uh, it could be anything. Brushing up against her rear end. These three little girls, ages 8, 9, and 10, were raped. Brutally raped. And I'm not going to airbrush what happened to these girls, Kent. Well, it was terrible. The crime was terrible, and it was a premeditated crime. The 
evidence led to that, and the evidence led to the prime suspect being Gene Leroy Hart. You know, James, I want to follow up on what Kent Freitas just said to James Powell, former senior agent, Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, former Air Force Office Special Investigations. It goes on and on and on, and he is the owner of The Investigator LLC. James Powell, thank you for being with us. How in the hay, James Powell, is the guy who's been convicted of rape and many other crimes living one mile from a Girl Scout camp. Well, his mother, uh, LMA Buckskin, is actually her house, and he was just about a mile from the crime scene. It's kind of a mystery how he got out. He was uh, previously convicted of a double rape of two pregnant women. Whoa, wait, 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 stop. What did you just say? Yes, he was previously convicted of uh, a double rape of two pregnant women. That okay, wait, up, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, James. You know what? I like you because you've got an incredible and pristine reputation. But I don't like the way that trips off your tongue. Wait a minute. The double rape of two pregnant ladies. You know, you think, is there anything as bad as raping an eight, nine, ten-year-old little girl? I still say no. But raping two pregnant women is a very close second James Powell. I mean, he just kind of ran through that. Okay, it's soaked in now. Go ahead. Uh, for whatever reason, he only served about 28 months on that sentence. Oh! You know, I don't like anything you just said. Now, I'm not going to blame the messenger. Please don't. Okay, James Powell. Yes, ma'am. The investigator, LLC. Is there anything else you want to tell me other than the double rape of two pregnant women? And he's out in 28 months. Correct. Uh, he, he also, once he was out, he started committing burglaries. Uh, he was uh, uh, caught and convicted of a burglary. They sentenced him in part because of a probation violation on the rape case to over 300 years. That's what he was doing back in Mays County, is he had come back from the state penitentiary to Mays County to have a hearing on a post-conviction relief on the uh, amount of years he was sentenced to for the burglary. While there, he did his escape, which led to the rest of what we're talking about. You know, James Powell, it takes a lot to make me feel nauseous. I, I can go through autopsies, full autopsies. I can go to crime scenes. I can smell blood. I can see it all. You actually just made me nauseous. Well, I'm sorry. So there's your badge of honor. So a guy out on a double rape of pregnant women, a string of burglaries, he escapes. How did he escape? Anybody on the panel that knows, please tell me. Don't hold back. Well, he actually escaped twice to make it worse. (laughs) I just keep feeling like I'm getting hit in the face. He escaped twice. Twice from the same jail in prior. He escaped once. Uh, for about 10 or 11 days, and it, some of his family convinced him to turn himself in. Then he, uh, not too long later, he escaped by sawing through the bars where someone had given him the uh, saw to saw through the bars. And at the time of the murders, he had been a fugitive for over three years, going on four years. What? A-hole, that's a technical legal term, gave him a saw. (laughs) Who, Kent Freitas, who gave him a saw to get out? Unknown. 
It's unknown who gave him the saw. Obviously, I guarantee you it was a woman. I know it was a woman. Who would even think? Probably in a cake or something. Okay, let me get past the double rape of two pregnant women and the double escape act. And here we are. Here's this guy living one mile like they couldn't figure out he's at his mother's place. That's the first thing I say on a bond calendar. What lawyer do I have on with me? Ken Freitas, attorney. Yeah. That's the first thing you do at a bond hearing when the defendant doesn't show up. You're like, go to his mother's. That's where he is. Go look under the bed. He's there or in the closet behind the dirty laundry. Go there. That yeah, It always happens that way. Well, what you got here, though, is you've got somebody you can't find. And uh, even after the murders and after he was a suspect, it took nine months. And uh, Agent Powell can tell you about this, but it took him nine months to find and locate him. Part of it was the nature of the country that he was hiding in. He was no longer hiding in the cave. He was hiding elsewhere, but he was uh, being assisted by a Cherokee in the backwoods. Hey, you know, that reminds me of Eric Rudolph, the Olympic bomber. I was there that night. I went from enjoying the Olympics to questioning witnesses till 4 a.m. And then the same guy, Eric Rudolph, blew up an abortion clinic. And my investigator... Ernest was there looking at the first abortion clinic bomb when he had rigged another bomb to go off and my investigator was hit with debris and then he hid out in the woods Eric Rudolph for years before they could catch him okay guys I'm getting really bogged down with this guy who I we don't use the h word in our home but I'm going to say it I hate I hate this person Um, okay let's move forward Listen to this. It was rumored Gene Hart had support from local Cherokee families. Hart was staying with an old Cherokee named Sam Pigeon in a remote cabin in the Cookson Hills in eastern Oklahoma. It was about 50 miles south and a little east, I think, of uh, where the crime took place. April 7th, 1978, an army of agents from the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation moves in and surrounds the shack. Hard did not put up a fight. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zen.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Dr. Sean Robertson is joining us, psychologist, uh, has conducted thousands of forensic evaluations across Oklahoma. You can find him at drseanroberson.com. Dr. Robertson, thank you for being with us. What kind of person would give a double rapist a saw to get out of jail what person would hide him out in their remote cabin? Forget about the three girl, dead Girl Scouts. Forget about the two pregnant women that were raped. And God knows how many other victims are out there. But yeah, you can, can stay in my mountain cabin and I'll protect you. Who? Well, it's, it's pretty amazing. But, you know, even serial killers have fan clubs. People can conduct the most heinous crimes and still be... Uh, cared about, supported by their community, sometimes even characterized as victims. I mean, you look at, uh, you look at Hart's family that, uh, you know, reportedly celebrated the end of the trial with champagne. You know, who, who would celebrate that when the, the suspect is a known sexual psychopath? You know, Joseph Scott Morgan joining me, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University and author of Blood Beneath My Feet. He's a host of a new hit series, Body Bags, with Joe Scott Morgan on iHeart and many other venues. Joe Scott, I heard Faith Phillips, who I have so much respect for, the Cherokee screenwriter and author, 
say, you know, when I asked her to describe what happened to these three little girls, and I'm asking this for a reason, Joe Scott, it's the dichotomy of uh, what we were hearing Dr. Robertson say about wanting to protect someone, identifying with them. They turn into kind of a hero. You tell me. Faith said, well, I've never seen anything like it because she is a screenwriter. You and I have actually seen the real thing. And um, a triple child murder. The three little girls were brutally raped and then murdered. You know, yesterday we talked to the camp counselor that found their bodies. I can't even imagine how that haunts her to this day. So just give me a reality check, Joe Scott. We've got this guy, Sam, hiding him out. Sam Pigeon in a remote house. I guess he didn't see the dead bodies. No, he probably didn't. But, you know, you you have to think that on some level he had some understanding of the level of violence this person was capable of given his history and what he did to these aforementioned pregnant women when he raped them. Uh, and you, when you, as an investigator, began to assess the scene and the level of brutality this rose to, you know, he had several choices here as to the way he was going to bring about the end of these little angels' lives. And he decided to beat them to death. And in one instance, not only did he bludgeon them, uh, but he, you know, he also uh, utilized the cord uh, to strangle them. And, you know, as horrible as that is, these things that you and I have borne witness to over the years, you have to be able to cut through the horror of that and get right down, just bore down to the evidence here. Exactly. And, and try to figure out what happened. Another thing that's so startling, I guess I can use that word, you decide for yourself, is that there were warnings this was going to happen. Listen. Pre-camp, the only were counselors and myself. And someone found a cut in, I think it was in the body of the tent, and maybe at the back of the tent. A long cut, about three feet big enough for anybody to crawl in or out of. There were also some other things missing. There was a, one of our axes or you know, hatchets was missing from the unit kitchen. And I decided to sleep in the staff house. I was the only one in there. It was dark. There's a vapor light out in the front, but in the back, it's just woods. I heard somebody walking behind the staff house. I was like, what the hell? And then somebody scratched on the window screen. I yelled, you know, yeah, who's who's there? Because I, I was still thinking it could remotely be somebody just trying to scare me, you know, and ha-ha, you did. So it's time to to come out and laugh at me, but it didn't that didn't happen. They knew things were being stolen. They had signals that there was someone there intruding, encroaching in the camp. They felt afraid, but yet no 
flag of alarm was raised. Okay, I can understand it so far, but listen to this. We got into our tent. The tent was just in disarray. There's stuff everywhere. And clearly our things had been gone through. Right, so we were like, what the heck? And I remembered that my mom had bought me a big box of Hostess donuts. And I, I saw the donut box sitting to the side of the trail. All the donuts were gone, but inside the box was a note. And it was, you know, those little bitty memo pads that reporters often use. So it was like four or five pages of that had been ripped off. The paper was dirty, like it had been carried around. And on this front one, it was in really big letters. It was this funky K with loops. And on the front page, it said, kill, kill, kill. And then there's a bunch of scribble on the second or third pages, and occasionally we say God, you know, and just scribble. And on the last page, it said, we're on a mission to kill three girls. What we don't account for are the monsters. We don't expect them. Even today, we don't expect them. The feelings of fear, things being stolen, slashes in tents, which is a big no-no if you're a veteran camper. You never, ever harm somebody else's tent in that way. And then this note that shows up, I'm on a, we're on a mission to kill three girls. James Powell with Oklahoma Bureau of Investigations, if as a camp counselor, which I was in a national forest, if I had gotten a note, we, our mission is to kill three girls, and I'm at a Girl Scout camp. Oh, yeah, that would have closed down the camp, and everybody would have gone home right then until that note had been investigated. Well, I don't think we'll ever really know the answer to that. The only thing I can offer is uh, a lot of the counselors were probably not a whole lot low, uh, older than some of the students that were there, or some of the attendees. Uh, uh, they were pretty young. You're right. A lot of them were teens themselves. You're right. The one that you might true. want to keep in mind. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. What faith? I'm so sorry to speak over you, Detective Powell, but I, I, I would like to hop in here and talk about some of the things we have going on. So a lot of this information, I was born the year after the crime happened. So I, um, and the way I got a lot of this information was I approached every party with non-judgment and just allowed them to tell their story. And so uh, all of these pieces of the puzzle started coming together and in hindsight, I was able to see the big picture, which was there were multiple incidents of stalking leading up to the murders, including that kill note. But in the days um, after the murders and all the way up through the trial and after the trial, there was um, those things were dismissed. So uh, one of the things that was dismissed about that kill note was that there was a Boy Scout camp on the other side of the highway. And so they were able to dismiss this as a teenage prank. But when I saw it in hindsight, and I was able to look at that, and I say, I see there's a note that says, we are on a mission to kill three Girl Scouts. And that happens before the murders. And then that's exactly what happens. In my mind, there's no way you can dismiss that as a teenage prank. Faith, how old were the counselors? Uh, we have a range of counselors from 15 up to 18 and 19. We have very, very young, inexperienced women. So, James Powell, you're absolutely correct. You've got teen camp counselors, and I can see 
what Faith Phillips says as explaining why it was discounted as a hoax. One of the shortcomings, I would say, is that the authorities had not notified everybody in the area that they've got a sex offender on the loose. I mean, if you put that in light of the fact that there's a, a sex offender running around that area, um, it puts it in a very different light. You're right, Sean. That's Dr. Robertson speaking. Guys, they managed to get Jane Hart. Take a listen to what happened at the preliminary hearing. At the preliminary hearing, the prosecution presents a number of pieces of evidence that they say connect Gene Hart to the murders and which the judge admits into trial. Among them are items authorities said were found in the cave where Hart supposedly hid out after the murders. The first of which are professional photographs of women. The photographer that Gene Hart had worked with at Granite State Prison confirmed that he had developed those photos with Gene Hart when he was an assistant while he was working in jail. Prosecutors also claim that sperm found on a pillowcase at the crime scene matched sperm found on Gene's underwear from prison and that hairs found on the duct tape at the crime scene were tested and determined to be from a Native American. But what does that actually mean, Joe Scott Morgan? You're the forensics expert. They were not using DNA at this time, but they matched sperm found at the crime scene where the three little girls were murdered to sperm found on Jean's underwear in prison. Isn't that enough? Back then it was. It predates, obviously predates DNA technology, but the one thing they had going for them in this particular case is the fact that heart was what was what is referred to as a secretor. So when you think about saliva, you think about uh, uh, semen, for instance, what you will have are, are red blood cells that will show up. It, it's a, only a very small percentage of the population. You know what? You're going to have to dummy down. Are you trying to say in scientific talk that, that there was a blood type match? Well, there was. And what makes it significant is the fact that they were able to blood type match that to an individual that actually has this feature physiologically where they secrete these blood cells into uh, the, these various fluids in their body. And so that narrows your, it funnels it down and this all pointed back to him. So you're saying the most that they could show from the semen is it is Gene Hart's blood type, which is like what 30% of the population and it is uh, an American Indian. That's what we can show. The hair, the hair. Yeah, that shows he's an American Indian. I mean, when you get a hair sample and you don't have DNA, you can say it's a white person, it's a black person, it's an Asian person. I think you can say whether it's a Hispanic person. I'm not sure about that. Or an American Indian. You can tell that from hair, but it's not DNA. So now, what am I looking at? No, it's not. I'm not... I don't have that much. Oh, you, no, you don't. You don't have that much at that particular time. But Nancy, that's that's what they had to work with at that particular time. You're right. I mean, but you put that in conjunction with him living in a cave one mile yes. away. Yes. Um, I don't know if they even tried to do a handwriting analysis on that note. And then hiding out. Hiding out. If you didn't do anything wrong, why are you hiding out in a remote cabin? Okay, take a listen to more. You'd have to live there to understand the dynamics between the Cherokee Nation and local law enforcement at the time. It kind of split the community into two sides. 
Gene Hart was a local. A lot of citizens of the Cherokee Nation, as well as some of the folks in Cherokee County and Mays County, thought Hart did not do it. It seems patently obvious that Hart was a violent individual based on the crimes that he committed previously. But if you're a Cherokee living here, there's an established history of the state acting sometimes as judge, jury, and executioner. Sometimes the state lied, sometimes the state framed people, and sometimes the state manufactured evidence. So it really wasn't that much of a stretch for Cherokees to believe that perhaps the state had framed Gene Hart. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zyn.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 
Let me go to Faith Phillips, Cherokee screenwriter, intimately familiar with this case. Isn't it true that U.S. and state local governments have no jurisdiction in Indian reservations? Is that true? That is true. That was a landmark Supreme Court decision. Okay, so we don't have any federal, state, or local law enforcement framing anybody on an Indian reservation, because even if they know about crimes happening on an Indian reservation, there's nothing they can do about it because they don't have jurisdiction, right? The federal government does have concurrent jurisdiction in the tribal nations, but this this wasn't determined until 2020. So at the time this crime occurred, the, the only party to prosecute crimes here in this area would have been the state and local government. So let me ask you, what... You believe there have been a history of American Indians getting framed by law enforcement? Well, there, there's absolutely a, con, a, a, an, a there's absolutely an established history of injustice toward the Cherokee people. I can't speak for all Cherokee people. I can only speak for myself. But we're patently aware of the removal that happened um, on the Trail of Tears, and so then we came here. Wait, are you actually going to bring in the Trail of Tears as a reason? to believe that Hart didn't commit triple murder? No, no, I think it's an important factor in a number of other events that have happened in addition to. So um, on the actual day of the murder, uh, we have the local sheriff walking up to the crime scene before he ever looks at anything. We have multiple witnesses hearing him say, looks like Gene Hart did this. Then we also have people who testify saying that the sheriff's instructions were to shoot Gene Hart on site. So you have to understand these are the things that the community is hearing because people are people have witnessed it themselves and they're taught. And so you have this established history of where the state had acted as judge, jury, and executioner. And so it's not that hard to believe for for Cherokee people who are intimately familiar with our history. Does that excuse? harboring someone that you think poss- that, that you think could possibly have murdered these three girls? Absolutely not. But I think it's an important thing for people to understand and a part of the story that's never been told before. Well, let me jump in here, too. And I, I seem to always try and get ahead, but there was evidence to prove that Hart didn't do it as well. There was a bloody footprint on the floor of the tent that wasn't his. There was a fingerprint on the flashlight they found at the scene that wasn't his. Uh, so it, it wasn't as though this was a an open and shut case against uh, against Gene Leroy Hart. Well, corroborating everything you just heard Kent Freitas say, listen to this. It's very important to understand this trial was before DNA. DNA had not become a tool that could be used either to prove innocence or guilt. There were hairs found on the duct tape that the girls had been bound up with that was what was described as Native American hair. They used that to try and implicate Hart because, of course, he was a Cherokee. That was not good science to believe that hair could be matched. Though DNA testing is not yet available, the prosecution also claims that sperm samples taken from Gene Hart's underwear were similar to the sperm found in one of the girls. There was important 
evidence on the scene which tended to exonerate her. There was a bloody footprint on the floor of the tent, and it was not Hart's footprint. It was the wrong size. There was a thumbprint found on the flashlight, and it was not Hart's. So there was exonerating evidence found there, as well as evidence that implicated him. There was things there that would lead you to believe that someone else either involved or did the crime. The case heads to trial. Listen. The entire trial spans 11 emotional days. But the all-white jury spends just five hours deliberating before making their decision. The Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation was shocked uh, when the verdict was read that their work was not sufficient enough to get him convicted. Jurors make it clear that the shoe size and thumbprint that did not match Gene Hart is a major factor in their decision to acquit. To Faith Phillips joining us, are you surprised at all by the acquittal? I'm not surprised at all, particularly considering the evidence that I found um, in the pretrial when I was going through everything that had been presented. The standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. And there's no doubt that these 12 jurors looked at everything that the state presented. And if they were doing their job, which I believe they did, they had to come to the conclusion that the state did not meet its burden. What do you make of that, James Powell? I would tend to agree with that, that the state didn't meet its burden. There were, I don't know how much detail you want to go into, but there were a lot of factors that resulted in that verdict, at least from what my investigation has shown. Explain. There was some testimony uh, by some of the state's witnesses that the jury found uh, that they felt they didn't believe. Uh, Specifically, there was a photograph that was taken at the time of Gene Hart's arrest where several of the agents were depicted in a photograph, either standing with him or just walking him out of the cabin. Uh, One of the witnesses was asked about that photograph and the witness denied ever that photograph ever being taken. But it was my understanding that at the same time, the jury already had uh, copies of those photographs. So they felt that if the uh, witness was not truthful about that, what else were they not being truthful about? Okay. To, to me, that's irrelevant. But I do see what you mean. Did the witness say that wasn't him? They said there was no such photographs ever taken. Okay. Well, possibly the witness didn't know the photograph was taken? No, he would have known. The witness is in the photograph. It, basically, what happened was an OSBI agent perjured himself on the stand. He's in the photograph, and he's testifying to the jury that there wasn't a photograph taken. Gotcha. Gotcha. Other than the photograph evidence, James Powell, you believe the verdict was correct. Uh, Faith Phillips, you're not surprised at the verdict. To you, Joe Scott Morgan, what do you think? You are often to say, uh, Nancy, that, uh, you know, uh, you talk about lying eyes. you got to convince me. And so if you think about this case and you think about what they had at that moment in time, it's really hard for the jury to get past that bit of as, as passionately as we want the jury to understand and maybe come to a conclusion from a prosecutorial standpoint, from an evidentiary standpoint. When you have a piece of evidence like this and they bear witness to it, it's really hard to get over that hurdle. To Kent Freitas joining us, former minority leader in the Oklahoma House and author of Oklahoma's Most Notorious Crimes, agree or disagree? Well, I agree that there was reasonable doubt. Let me, I have a perspective on one thing that nobody else does, and that is I was able to talk to the judge before he died. And the judge did not blame the jury at all 
and thought that there was that, that it was not an unreasonable decision under the evidence that was admitted. He also thought Gene Leroy Hart was guilty. And the reason he thought he was guilty was because of some evidence that couldn't be admitted. And that was evidence that would have put on uh, a prior, that would have shown that he had committed prior crimes, which was properly excluded unless he took the stand. What evidence is that? Well, I'm going to tell you. That's, what it is is that uh, one of these little girls, at least one, was tied with a cord as well as with duct tape. And that cord was tied in a very peculiar knot of some kind. And it turned out that the two women that Hart uh, kidnapped and raped from Tulsa were tied up with that same knot. And he thought that was unusual enough, and to given given the other circumstances, and that he thought Hart was guilty. But once again, he said once the evidence was in, and there's there's all, it also should be mentioned that the defense put on evidence that some of the prosecutorial evidence was planted. Now, whether that was correct or not, at least raised a doubt about it. Guys, take a listen to this. So my students decided that they were going to research the Girl Scout murders um, for their podcast. And I posted about it, and I got this really kind of cryptic message that said, if you're looking into the Girl Scout murders, there's someone that you really need to meet. And so I was curious, but also a little freaked out. I'd been contacted about Paul Smith, who was the sheriff of Mays County in 1980. He was elected after Pete Weaver left office. He was 97 years old, living in a retirement home, and he had some story he wanted to talk to me about. I knew he was about to drop some truth on me. I was not prepared, though, for what I heard. It was one of the most extraordinary stories I've ever heard, and still to this day, it still boggles my mind. I know who did. Faith, what did he tell you? Well, I went into that room, and I, considering myself someone who was familiar with the case, and what he told me was a story that I'd never heard anywhere in the press or any in the community. No one had ever said this story to me, and he told me that he had obtained a confession from someone who was a known pedophile and torture of animals in, in the Locust Grove area, and that he had obtained a confession from a, an oral confession from this man naming himself and, and um, two other people that had committed the crime that night. We follow the very latest developments in the brand new Fox Nation series, The Girl Scout Murders, here on Crime Stories all week. Tomorrow, a very unlikely source reveals never-before-seen evidence hidden in an ice chest for decades. Plus, new suspects? We wait as justice unfolds. Crime Stories, Nancy Grace signing off. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.